Welcome into Hoops Form, a production of Radius Athletics and a Quick Timeout Podcast. I'm Tony Miller, and my co-host once again this week is Randy Sherman. Big thanks to our sponsors over at 323 Sports. If you're looking to spend less this year on team packs for your players, check out 323 Sports' famous $55 team packs. You'll get a short sleeve tee, a long sleeve tee, shorts, and a hoodie, all for $55. Your team will look great. Practice on the road, travel gear. Find out more about what 323 Sports can do for your program, visit 323sports.com, or you can contact a sales rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your basketball program. Last week, Randy and I started talking through practice planning, and we discussed things like introducing concepts to your teams and how much to cover before your first game and Mm -hmm. even when to start preparing for your opponent. And some of you had some questions about practice planning, so we decided to extend this to part two and do more of a follow-up Q&A this week. Randy, you got anything that you want to add in or you want me to kind of jump in quick to the questions there? No, just real quick, I'd say I'd say it seems like a, a, a timely topic. So um, we, we decided to do a second episode because everyone's kind of, it's about that time. So to, to start your preseason workout. So yeah, jump in, let's fire away and see what we came up with. And, and hopefully we, we've got some great questions and some good ideas. Yeah. Just real quick. If you're watching this live and you want to submit a question, please feel free to do that. You can reply to the video and we'll get you in as well. All right. First up here, this is from coach Samuel Ashley asks, how would you use the concepts mentioned last week? With a junior high team where a lot of the players have never played before he's kind of trying to figure out like how to balance the fundamentals that they need to learn with something, something that resembles offense and defensive systems before that first, that first game. Um, I would say that I've coached that age um, and been in lots of practices of that age. I think, I think the, the main thing when I coached at that level and, and then helped coaches coach that level is, um, the focus on how should I say this sort of like the big level principles of basketball, not a lot of details and things like that can be, you know, relayed in practice. I would say what we try to do with, with players that age is sort of like almost set goals that, that almost sounded like really low for a junior high team, especially like a school team. That's not that, that's not that experience. I kept the goals like really low with the coaches that work for me that coach that level. Like, look, don't, don't worry about all of these things that you maybe see the high school teams doing. Just, just focus on, on some of the, 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 uh, the big things. And I would make them a list of like, Hey, if by the end of the season, our seventh grade team or our eighth grade team can transition off a of made and miss basket to good spots, they can, they're staying ball, you man, on defense. Like I'm not, I'm not worried if they're not like triple switching pick and rolls. That you know, like just can they stay ball, you man, on defense? Can they run the floor with balance? Things like that. So I would just keep it. I would advise someone at that level just keep zooming out. I'm trying to think about what we talked about last week that that he that this coach might be specifically wanting to know that they could implement. Um, do you have any direction there? Well, I feel like it probably is related to when you talked about the two dials, the developing and then the winning. And if you dial up the winning a little bit too much, then you're probably going to have a have a yeah. problem okay. at this age. 
And if you are more of that dialed that down, but dialed the development, thank up, you. Then you kind of like long term. This is what we're trying to get these kids to learn how to do, so that when they're older, maybe we can focus a little bit more, talk more about winning. I, you know, I think it's just having realistic expectations about right. what you're actually trying to accomplish. That helps me. So I would say, I would say some things that I wanted from my, my junior high coaching staff that, that what, what pay attention to what you're not going to hear, <laughs> what you're not going to hear um, is as important as what you're going to hear. So what I would say was, was let's, here are some big tenets of our program that if you could accomplish this by the end of the season, I would be happy. The second thing I would say is I, I, I really don't want any of my sub varsity junior high coaches to have to deal with parent problems. I, I I'm going to have plenty at the varsity level. I don't want to have to kind of come intervene there. Um, so we had a mandate that every, at, even at the junior high level, and this may not be popular with everybody, but we're, we're going to play every, every player who makes the team. Uh, we're going, and that's not to say we're not trying to win. And that doesn't mean we're going to play every player equally but I didn't want any DNPs at any sub varsity level. Um, to me, I would like to see that be really used like a developmental team, like almost like a minor league baseball team. No one, no one knows. I live by the Frisco Rough Riders. They're, they belong to the Texas Rangers. No one knows if they win. No one cares, right? Like it's, it's, it's there to develop players. Now I know those kids want to win and the parents of those kids want to win. Um, I, I, I get that. I want them to win. I, I really do want those, those teams at that level to win, but not at the sake of development. So try to resist that urge would be my advice for any coach. And, and I would say another piece of advice was, was I wanted as the head coach to include them in the family, meaning like you're a vital part of our curriculum, right? Like, so you're introducing them to fundamentals of basketball, the fundamental tenets of the way we play. So like any success that the, the, the headline varsity team or whatever has, you, you contribute to that in your own way. And, and um, that, that's, that's how I wanted it to go. Um, no tricks, no, I didn't want to see like, oh, we're going to run a box in one in the seventh grade to shut down this girl. Like I, I would just, I would just keep, playing good fundamental basketball and get good enough at that where you do win. Yeah. yeah, that's good. All right. Next one here is from coach Schmidt. This is at coach C Schmidt on Twitter okay. asks, what is your practice plan progression? So let's say okay. the emphasis is on offense. Do you do individual to team and then maybe working on shooting mm -hmm. half court transition how do you kind of structure those and do you even split them up so that it's an yeah. offensive day defensive day that kind of thing well i've done both and, and i do think as a coach sort of like reflects back on their coaching career i would i would say most of them probably like kind of have tried different practice plan formats and it's sort of like constantly being tweaked and evolved and it and I, I, I'm no different. Um, I've done both where I kind of had an offensive segment, a defensive segment. Um, kind of uh, when we we kind of moved away from that. So to answer this coach's question as directly as I can, I'll just walk, just bullet point it out. Pre-practice. 
that was when kids our our athletes are coming out of the locker room sort of like as they are dressed and you know we're making their way onto the court we had a focus for pre pre-practice something that was on the practice plan we're either going to do free throws or uh, partner shooting or um, maybe we're we're i'm getting to the point where i'm installing a baseline out of bounds or sideline out of bounds so i grab five as they come out hey you five come here and then walk through it and as players come out now you get in now you get in the buzzer rings on pre-practice we're going dynamic warm-up that's our movement movement and and warm-up we tried to make that fairly intense um to to kind of hide some conditioning in there um with that um then for me this is just for me not some perfect template that's air quotes right or anything but for me that because what was the most important to me is our transition offense connection to offense so we started with the right after dynamic warm-up with a with a transition offense segment that was some combination of tip once we kind of got it up and running it was five on oh five on five five on oh five on five five on oh five on five like combinations of that like go down that way come back against the defense all kinds of five on five stuff um we might also in that period do some like full court running passing layup drills to to sort of like warm up the 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 our our muscles and our long and our ability to make those long accurate passes that we want in transition but mostly just breaking down our break then think that's like a group activity right all together and then we sort of adjourn to to split up for our, for what we call our our guard post breakdowns was was what we call them some might call it our skill develop, development period um where we we me and an assistant might split up i'm going to take the guards you take the bigs vice versa the next day or we might just say hey i'll take these six you take these six and it's just a, a mismatch of players um and we're working on you know system specific skill development that could be that could be volume shooting it could be breakdown drills that kind of we turned into shooting drills um but that was kind of the the piece that i told our players this is for you a lot of our practice is going to be for us the team but this period the skill development piece this is for you your footwork your this is where you're going to get critiqued individually and and corrected and and coached to, to improve those skills, shooting mechanics, footwork, all of that. Then what we did was then what I, I, to answer this coach's question, I tried to get away from having an offense and defense segment. After we've kind of introduced our offensive and defense principles, we just sort of went back to a model where it was either one, then we had a one-on-one -on -one period. We didn't do that every day where we played one-on-one, -on -one, but most days we did. Every day we did two-on-two, three-on-three, four-on-four. And within each one of those, like two on two, three on three, four on four blocks, we might have small sided games that are full court or half court that are, we're trying to break down actions in three on three cutthroat or break down actions in three on three get back or full court flow or something like that. Um, I like to keep things together in terms of player grouping. So what I see a lot of time leaks, leaks in practices, we got a player that's like, or a drill that's like these, you know, it's a two-player drill. You know, everybody get a partner, right? And then that drill's over, like everybody get in groups of three. And then the next drill's like everybody get in groups of two again, get a partner again. And there's like all this time lost of like arranging 
So I kept all our two on two together, all our three on three together, all our four on four together. So we could just sort of get in a duo trio or quartet and stay in it for that block of time. And now within that block of time, we might have two or three different activities that are two on two, three on three or four on four. But um, then we would progress that back up to five on five at the end. Typically that would be either uh, in season, that would be sometimes special situations, five on five, where we're, we're working on late clock or something like that. Or it might be if we're, if we're going to, uh, you know, brush up our presso because maybe we're going to play a press team or brush up our zone. O cause we're going to play a zone team or, or just need those things need review and practice. We would kind of go two on two, three on three, four on four. And that second five on five second, second from the transition when we began with, we would do oftentimes special situations, press O, press D, zone O, things like that. And then that's it. Keep in mind, this is, we're talking primarily preseason practices here. I think what you just heard of is what a lot of us um, have found. You're doing a lot of one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, that maybe as the season progresses, you're probably more so four-on-four, five-on-five. We've also used the, not necessarily all the time, but yeah. I've found that a lot for us, we do a lot less one-on-one and two-on-two. We okay. still do a lot of three-on-three, three, but it's usually more of bigger groups as the season yeah. goes on, but especially here at the beginning and also during those times, we've done what a lot of coaches have done is the red, yellow, green practices where okay. you have red where you're going slow and kind of doing a lot more teaching. Yellow, you still kind of that more teaching, but also flying green is fast and a lot of those come later in the season and we have a lot of here at the beginning mm -hmm. of those red and yellows yeah, where you're inf teaching new information new yeah. information i won't repeat all that because that was also last week so yeah go back and listen to last week uh, if you want more of that i i would i i like that concept red yellow green you could even within a practice a practice day have like hey this is going to for the next 30 minutes is green like we're here and then like okay now we're going to introduce some new material so it goes down to yellow or red and back to green you know like i, I like that idea that's that's a good idea that's good this one kind of ties into that i think with the idea of um you know teaching new things but coach tyler smith asks simplicity and repetition are important but also kind of having new drills and keeping things fresh are also important how do you strike the balance between always introducing new drills that you saw on randy or my twitter page mm -hmm. and doing kind of the same thing that's a great question I, I dealt with that a lot because in texas we have a lot of practice time like I work with some coaches who like, you know, they'll ask me this question, like my players are get get bored and like they do like you, you get your players like two weeks before you go play games and you don't ever see them again to the next, how are they bored? You barely see them like, you know, like in your seasons really short. but in Texas, we had a lot of practice time. So there, there was some monotony for sure. And um, I can, I can empathize with that, that question. I, I was always hesitant, I guess, to refer back to your green, yellow, and red practices. I like the green ones, man. I like squeaky shoes and bouncy balls and not a lot of yellow and red, right? Mm -hmm. uh, maybe to a fault. Um, but I was always hesitant to, I mean, a drill had to be really good and really applicable before I would say like, yeah, we're, we're going to implement that. Because what I didn't like was practice to be okay, girls, or okay, guys, we're going to introduce this new drill, and it 
we need four lines in the corner and like all that talking and stopping just makes my skin itch a little bit. So I, I didn't like that. So um, I was probably on the side of my players probably got bored because I didn't like introducing new drills. But one thing I tried to do was the drills that we did were loadable, meaning I could I could um, change we could do the same drill, but add a layer of, of difficulty to it. Um, or we could, um, you know, if it's a shooting drill where the goal and the standard is to make this, we're going to, uh, as soon as we can do it, man, we're up in the goal, like, like to add challenge, same drill, but like the different challenge, um, with, with the new drills, I just, man, I just was very strict about what made it in. Like, it's got to help us. It's got to, um, it's got to, um, it's got to fit and, the things that I liked that stayed in my drill library were drills that I felt like were like almost like a Swiss army knife, one tool, but lots of ways to use it. So we might do four on four cutthroat or something like that every day. But today the restraints are this, or the constraints are this tomorrow. The scoring system is that you're always going to be in a different quartet with different constraints, different time, uh, today we're going to play four on four with a 20 second shot clock, you know, uh, that kind of thing to sort of like same drill, but like manipulate some of the variables touching that drill to create the variety. I think a lot of us have used that idea of those platform drills where you can have one drill that can be used a lot of different ways or just by taking away players, adding players, adjusting the constraints or incentives that it can look very different, but it's really kind of the same idea. And that's how I found that our practices stay kind of new and fresh and the guys keep energized as they all like to play. I think we all like to yeah. coach that kind of way. And you can maintain that while also still teaching what you feel like you need to teach by really kind of like adjusting and cranking those incentives, um, restraints, that kind of thing. So I'd encourage coaches that too we've talked about in the past is kind of mm -hmm. the design of of platform drills and how you can adjust incentives and constraints. So I'll try to find that as well and link that. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you can get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal shooting percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Combined with HD quality, automatically captured film from the Huddle Focus smart camera, every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. When I think back to my time as a player, I, I tried to do that a lot when I coached. was like, I think sometimes coaches forget about when they were players and the things they hated, right? Like, like I just didn't like doing drills that, like, I, I probably can get where this coach is at. This question is feeling like, I didn't like doing drills that we do it every day and it's kind of you just do it. So I really went out of my way to try to to live as much as we can, stay away from just doing without some sort of comp, uh, you know, time score element, something like that. So 
keep overloading that too as players get better and acclimate like okay we made 50 in two minutes now the goal tomorrow 60 cool like you know and it's the same drill but a new challenge shameless plug if you're watching this on youtube scroll down i have small-sided games i have drills that you can adjust kind of the same way that we've been talking here if you're listening i'll try to link those but the youtube page has a lot of those on there awesome. all right here this coach wants you to settle this once and for all randy so <laughs> thus saith and it shall be wow random versus block practices yeah and can you uh, also kind of discuss the time spent on five on o versus five v five shout out to landon Steele, um who submitted this question put me on the spot because well, that that random practice mafia, they'll get they'll get after you um, <laughs> if you don't answer this one correctly. So let me see what I can do. Um, and I don't have any uh, expectation that I'll settle this. Um, I'll just tell you my opinion and s- s- emphasis on the word opinion. But I I I think both have a place. Um, I don't like the extremists that say they don't I, I think both have a place i tried to limit our block practice to shooting i like meaning we will do shooting drills that are just like repetition you know because i one i think that's the premium skill in basketball two i would equate it to like a a, a, a your shooting motion as like a golf swing or something like that like that's it you want it to be repeatable it needs to be revisited. I mean, like Tiger Woods goes to the driving range, right? He just doesn't go play rounds of golf. He also goes to the driving range and like his coach is like, yeah, your elbow, your hips, this and that, and, you know, gets. So I tried to limit most of our block practice to shooting only. Um, I don't know if that helps. So like maybe analyze your practice plan and go, okay, are we doing block stuff that's like, passing to one another or something like that. Um, Maybe see if you can limit most of your block stuff to just shooting. Um, Random practice, I prefer, even if, even sort of like semi-random, like where we're doing a shooting drill that involves a decision. We're still getting repetitions, but there's that element of reading and planning before we do the act that we're actually trying to drill, say, shoot, right? So, um, reading and planning, like ask yourself when you look at your drills, does the, does a player have to read and plan and sort of decide anything or are they just doing, um, or, um, that, that's what I would try to avoid. Um, as far as random practice would go, I would say, get there as soon as you feel comfortable, like maybe before. Uh, because what we want is game practices to be as representative of the game environment as we can to maximize tra- maximize transfer. So um, get there as soon as you can, probably even before you're comfortable, if you'll allow me to walk that back, maybe even a little bit before you're comfortable. Um, teach through it, ask questions through it. What you see? What, what, what might, I like what you did, but what might've been better? Like guiding questions like that. Um, five on O versus five on five. I, I did both, um, you know, like, but I tried to get to five on five as soon as I could or create hybrid situations. Like just something very simple. Like if I felt like we haven't quite got a concept yet, or it's brand new, 
Okay, I wanted to show. I want you to show, show me flip drag on air five on oh five you five going that way flip drag okay show me that and then they as they get out of the net and come back we're walking a defense on and you're going flip drag against a defense that's walked on you know like combination and then you're tagging the 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 repetition with something else and then slowly kind of phase that out as as you need it um you know, I went into the sports performance training business when I left coaching. And one thing I learned from that is some clients that I worked with needed progression. Some needed regression. So if you feel that you, you were in a situation where your team, you maybe jumped to something random game, like a little too soon, regress it, maybe not all the way back to on air, but slow it down, walk through it, go, you know, you take it's okay to regress and then progress back again that's one thing i i tried to do a lot it's like i looked at it like when we really got super game like and we were not really doing like yellow and green or yellow and red segments anymore and i saw some slippage in the gameplay and some things like i'm looking at film and man we're really terrible we're, we're some fundamentals are slipping i would regress and go hey you know what we're gonna go back and do some of these boring pivoting drills that you guys hate because you know we had three travels last night on bad pivot feeds or something we're going to walk bad pivot feeds so we'll walk it back and then fix it and then walk it back forward again um just just do that and and play with that until you get the recipe like i'll leave i'll close with this idea is that what i wanted to avoid for myself i'm not preaching and saying this is what coaches should what i wanted to avoid with myself and again this is me thinking about things i hated when i was a player is i already know how to do this yet coach is asking me to do it day after day in sort of this boring block fashion like i could make a right hand hand and left hand layup as a child like but why do i need to like, let's load that. Like, if we've got something, move on. If you've got something, move on. The consensus amongst coaches who I've talked to that are older and more experienced is when introducing new or when seeing a regression, go back to block a little bit. But that mm -hmm. also doesn't mean, like, go exclusively back to block. They're, yeah. Uh, both of them have a place is what I hear you say and what I found to be true. Both of them have a place, but they don't possess an equal amount of yeah, importance whether we start there or or regress there from and we we've regressed back for me you know, we're really bad at this we need to walk it back whether we start there or regress there your moat you, is let's don't stay there <laughs> like this is this is like all right we need to do this to kind of like lower the defensive interference or lower the offensive interference if we're talking about a defensive principle you know and then fix it and then get back like that's what i want or move on if that if we decided to start there and there is a faction of coaches who believe you know just start hard start with the start messy and clean it up through that i i could probably have stood to do a little bit more of that i'll i'll, I'll say that yeah all right last one here again from coach tyler smith and this mm -hmm. one i i I've heard a lot of coaches, you know, debate or, you know, think about what's best for their team, but in scrimmage situations, what deserves more times, your starters all playing together mm -hmm. and getting used to that or mixing things up so that you end up with fairer teams. Again, I'll just say what I did and I mixed it up and play and tried to create like, um, 
you know, like I said, if we were doing two on two, three on three, four on four, I created like S curved teams of my, say a 12 player roster, we would have six teams of two. And I went out of my way to create those to where I felt like we had six pretty close, equal teams of two, you know, four pretty equal three on three groups, three pretty equal four on four groups. So we could kind of like have competitive balance. I'm controlling for some of the variables by making competitive balance. Um, I prefer that. Um, honestly, um, I, I, I felt like that helped our um, depth. It helped our um, resiliency to injury, to, to player quitting, missing practice for something or missing game, getting kicked off the team. You know, it helped our re- re- resiliency to sort of not have this cast system within our program of like starters or the starters and subs, you guys turn over to white and you guys are the cannon fodder for our scrimmages. Um, I, I don't like that. I, I, again, I've said this several times. I think back to things that I didn't like as a player and I was usually in the starter group, especially, you know, as so um, that, but I just didn't like the way that felt like I could kind of look at those guys and go like, this sucks for them. Like, you know, like they, 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 uh, but I tried to, what I wanted was a team of, of players who like, man, like those girls or those guys, like I, I can't even tell them apart. Like that, if they didn't have numbers on, I wouldn't even know who's who just he, that. It looks like that coach could just go, you, 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 and you start and let's go. And it wouldn't matter. I wanted that. I wanted to have like, we scored 68 points. Our leading score scored 12. Like, bank. But I do think that you need to be intentional about that. Like, create a team of 12 or 10 or however you've got on your roster rather than these are my five. And I'm, I'm hoping that that these next five don't have to get in the game very much or something like that. Like, no, I mean, they, they will. Someone's going to foul. Someone's going to, get in foul trouble, get hurt, get, um, you know, suspended, whatever, you know, all kinds of things come up. Um, you know, I've, Fergus Conley is an author that I've read some of his books. And one of the things he's taught, he said very eloquently to me was in a, in a seminar he did for my ramp group was your second string is more important than your first. Those players will be fine. They're okay. Like they're fine. Your second string to sort of like um, that that's going to end up being more important. And I also say that like what I wanted to do and to tie it back to what we talked about with our junior high coach's question from beginning was to create a program where our floor was high. The ceiling that could be genetics. That could be, you know, someone had a dad who was really into basketball and got their, their son or daughter started early. Like you could have, the ceiling's not you coach. Like a lot of times six, nine, like that. Yeah. He's good. <laughs> you know, like duh, you know, like you didn't develop that, like the, the ceiling, but I, I would say, show me your 10th player and I'll show you the health of your program. Can they dribble with both hands and pass and shoot? And like, when they get in the game, is everyone going, Oh gosh, don't, don't, don't pass it to Tony or whoever, you know, like we don't, I, I wanted that, that, whole roster to get development 
let me tell you what changed our program and did help bring up the floor is us playing more small-sided games because there this is weightier when you talk about scrimmage starter subs if your scrimmage is about the only time that you play during practice the more that you're playing. So for us, when we got to the scrimmage, we do frequently do starters versus subs, but those teams are only set for like five minutes, whatever they've been playing throughout the entire practice with each other. And that has allowed the floor to be brought up. And we've seen then in our scrimmages, even when we separate, there'll be days when for us, it's blue, white and the blue are the subs and the blue just repeatedly just spanks the starters. Yeah. And that has, that has allowed that, that's viewing not scrimmage as this time that we play at the end or at a designated time during practice, but that's like five on five. I've got a certain amount of time on the clock and we're going, but we've been playing the entire practice. Yeah. So that, that, that'll take, that'll make you adjust like your whole kind of philosophy of how you do that. If you don't do that that way, then yeah, you are going to have to put a little bit more emphasis on that scrimmage time at the end when you're, only playing right and then yeah you're probably gonna find yourself saying like what do i need to do here well if it's preseason, my starters probably need to play more time together but maybe as the season progresses we Mm -hmm. can incorporate subs because those guys or girls are already used to playing together so i'd challenge you to think not of this like question in isolation but how does this fit within how we even design our entire practices yeah, I think sometimes I, what I hear is like, well, I, Coach, my concern is my starters won't get a lot of time together to gel or, or get used to one another. And, and I, I guess I can get with that. But, like, I don't I don't want five-man cohesiveness. I want 12-player cohesiveness, like, because that's the, what's going to happen in the game. Someone's going to foul out. Someone's going to turn their ankle. And, like, if the player that has to go in for them has been nothing but scout team the whole time, they're, yeah, you're going to drop off, you know? Like if they've been an S-curved trio or quartet playing against one another and they're having to win in practices and that's being charted and then, yeah, I've played with you in three-on-three and four. I've played with you. I know when you're going to cut. I know when you're, you know, how you're, you know, how how you play. And and we, we've played off one another already. So um, I'm an advocate for, for less starters versus subs for a lot of reasons, but um, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I think that's probably going to set up what I would. We haven't talked about this, but okay. um, I talked yesterday with our team about team cohesion. A lot of times we talk about it in sports as being like team chemistry. Mm-hmm. So maybe the next time we talk, we'll talk about team cohesion. And this can be just one way that we build team cohesion and discuss how we can do that with our programs. Okay. Before we finish up here, I do want you to talk about you have a new email kind of newsletter series that you're doing that I think coaches will benefit from, especially here in the season. Can you talk to them about what that is and where to find that? Yeah, I'm uh, looking for just something to get some creative, you know, juices flowing for me. And like I, I do a lot of X's and O's stuff and I like that. And uh, but I just started writing a new uh, newsletter called Coaching Dharma, which is like kind of based on taking these uh truths from from buddhism and 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 play and and showing you know how how we could relate that to coaching you know phil jackson the zen master you know just sort of like channeling that a little bit like like taking some ideas from from that are good just lessons about uh calmness stillness 
uh, you know, presence, things like that, and and trying to put my spin and my interpretation on how they might apply to coaches. So you can sign up on my my link in in uh, in my Twitter bio at Radius Athletics and good stuff. All right, yes, thanks. To- daily, Denver. maybe weekdays only. I kind of I haven't been doing it on the weekends. Maybe three to four times a week. I'm trying to get it out. Thanks to all of you who joined us this week. If you missed any part of the live show, you can go back and watch or listen to any part. Visit Radius Athletics on YouTube to see the full interview, or you can go to any podcast platform and search Hoops Forum, and you'll find the audio version of the show. For Randy Sherman, I'm Tony Miller. We'll talk to you again next time on Hoops Forum.